Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And welcome to Doppelgangers. Today, we are talking about season one, episode 21 of The Vampire Diaries, which is called Isabel. She does play a pivotal role. And let me tell you, this is how you wind up to a season finale. I mean, just beautifully done. Yeah, this is the penultimate episode of season one. It shows we've got a lot of drama being set up for what is sure to be a jam-packed season finale. Well, it's a big episode on its own and sets up all this drama. So to be able to do both of those at the same time is just very exciting. And it involves everyone in the drama. You know, we've had Caroline, Bonnie, Matt and Tyler have kind of taken a back seat these last few episodes as we learned more about 1864. But now everyone's involved. Yeah, I'm very excited for this finale. I'm very excited to talk about this episode. It's just craziness. So as always, I'm going to read the Vampire Diaries wiki synopsis of this episode. Isabel returns to town and stuns Alaric with her attitude and her demands that he arrange a meeting with Elena. When mother and daughter finally meet, Isabel refuses to answer most of Elena's questions, <laughs> but reveals that she will stop at nothing to find the mysterious invention Jonathan Gilbert has been searching for. Isabel's dangerous actions lead Stefan, Damon, and Bonnie to step in and help Elena deal with the situation. I do love Isabel doesn't answer any of Elena's questions. She really doesn't. She, that's not what she's there for. Can I ask, do we know this actress from anywhere? Because she is very much serving Anna de Armas, was my first thought when I saw her, but obviously not. She doesn't look like anyone I recognize, but I'm just curious. She played the Black Dahlia. Well, she played Elizabeth Short in a Black Dahlia movie. Huh, that tracks. What she is known for is the L word. Oh, Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Did you watch The L Word? I started watching it, but it was at the time when I lived in a house full of lesbians, so it was a little too close to reality. <laughs> also, you know what else you know her from? What? She was in Not Another Teen Movie. I bet she plays like the Rachel Lee Cook character. No, she plays like the um, Christian girl. Huh. Yeah, very exciting. But she's been in a number of things, most notably The L Word and Not Another Teen Movie. Okay, The L Word makes sense because there was just a like reunion picture that must be in my head. Yeah, she is very beautiful. Say what you will about Isabel. Yeah, she has a beautiful face. Not always a beautiful personality, <laughs> but we didn't expect much. <laughs> so we open the episode right where we left off the last episode, which is Isabel at the grill sitting next to Alaric, who is getting drunk. And they're kind of catching up. Alaric hates every second of it, but Isabel is acting very casual at first. She's like, you look good. I heard you're a teacher. Yeah, and my first impression on this, I was like, oh, she's not really acting as bitchy as I expected. And then that very quickly changed. But she started very much being like, oh my God, it's great to see you. Like she just happened to run into him and didn't fake her death. Yeah, he's like, hey, where the <laughs> fuck have you been? And she's like, look, I don't have any explanations. I wanted to be a vampire. I was kind of hoping you would mourn me and move on with your life. But I guess you couldn't do that. Yeah, she's like, but uh, here we are. And uh, look, the pain is all over his face. He's like, oh, I'm sorry for loving you and searching for you. And I thought you were brutally murdered. Oh, my bad. And then she was like, OK, well, um, I hear, you know, Elena, like she was like, OK, we're done talking about this. She said, OK, the pleasantries are out of the way. You know, my daughter, Elena. And he's like, you're not even here for me. 
he literally you can see the pain on his face when he's like you want me to deliver a message and she's like yeah. yeah kind of i do actually and he says i'm not a messenger screw you you selfish bitch and isabel kind of is like oh, okay fair enough she's like that's a fair and you know what it is a fair response yeah i understand it and so he gets up to leave he's like i'm not setting up a meeting hell no yeah and isabel is completely reasonable with that psych she is not <laughs> accepting that so alaric leaves the grill Isabel follows him to his car and she like grabs him by the neck, lets her vein show. And she's like, hey, he says, I'm not just going to do anything for you. And she says, OK, well, if you don't set up a meeting, I'm going to start killing people, starting with your history students. So let's let's get that on the table now. She did have a powerful threat. Not everyone knows how to craft a good threat on this show. They'll be like, well, I'll kill Damon and Stefan. Like if she had said that to a lyric, would have been like, OK, do it. The innocent human life is more important to Alaric, which is why they're the right people to target. And it helps because it gets Elena in check, too, because you know who are Alaric's history students? All of Elena's friends. Yeah. Clearly, Isabel wanted to come back and him be, like, in love with her still. Would have made life a little easier. Even though she was like, I can't believe you haven't moved on. But she was like, well, I can get this invention because he's still going to be in love with me. And then she was like, "Okay, well, like, that's kind of rude that you're not still in love with me. Um, but I guess I'll take this other approach. She's like, oh, so what, I'm dead to you now? It's like, yes! <laughs> you were! <laughs> Until a week ago. So she's like simultaneously mad he didn't move on and also mad that he's like not actively in love with her. It's like, sweetie. Pick a struggle, queen. You gotta pick one. Like, she is powered by her rage, though. And again, it could have been a little better timing if she'd gotten here a little earlier. Maybe he wouldn't have fought this so hard. Yeah, I mean, he had literally just gotten over her like last episode, like maybe 10 minutes before she got there. So her timing is is less than stellar. Yeah, it all works out for her by the end of the episode, but it's not without its struggles. Yeah, we check in on Elena's on the phone. She's talking about how she's going to go help Caroline build the Miss Mystic Falls float for the Founders Day Parade. Great setup. Then it's revealed that she's on the phone with Damon and she's checking in on Stefan by calling Damon. Just interesting that that's your approach, Elena. You could call your boyfriend. It seems like Stefan was like in the shower and Damon answered his phone, to be fair. Maybe. Because he came out with a towel over his shoulder. Oh, yeah. But either way, like maybe be like, oh, I'll call back when Stefan's available. Yeah. Elena was just very happy to talk to Damon and hate no judgment. Yeah, just saying, just noting. Damon says, Stefan is terrible. And Elena's like, what? And he's like, he's very boring and he's only eating animal blood. And she's like, okay, that wasn't funny because he was terrible literally two days ago, but thanks. And then Damon asks Elena if Uncle John has like mentioned Damon or anything to her. And she's like, I haven't really talked to him. And he's like, could you like check on that if you get a chance? She's like, whatever. And then Stefan comes in. So Damon hangs up and then he says, Elena called. And Stefan's like, okay. He doesn't seem to really react to this in the way that he soon will. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Stefan definitely, I think, has always felt weird about Elena and Damon being friends because there's the residual Catherine tension. And also, clearly, Stefan has some insecurities to work through, as does Damon. Yeah. But they have different insecurities. And I imagine that Stefan seeing them bond after the time they spent together trying to help Stefan, he can't help but blame himself. I think it's one of those things too, where 
Stefan knows if he's like actively acting jealous or he's like, hey, Damon, could you stop spending so much time with Elena? It's only going to make Damon spend more time with her. Yeah. So it's kind of just the best call to be pretty chill about it. Mm-hmm. And to trust Elena, who does really love him. And does trust Stefan so much. So it's kind of like, okay, well, I got to trust her too. And Stefan does seem overall like a pretty confident guy. He seems secure in a lot of his life and in their relationship. The Damon part of it is what makes it more stressful for him. And that's this history. Yeah, he's not worried that Elena's going to cheat on him with Matt. Yeah. But he is worried that Damon could present himself as an option. And to be fair, he should be. To be fair, he is correct in worrying about that. Yeah, to be fair, his um, instincts are spot on. So then we go over to the school where they're all getting ready to build floats. I guess like they just do whatever they need to do for Founders Day at school instead of go to class. Maybe it's the weekend. I don't know. I'm reading too much into it. Anyway, so the history department float is going to be recreating the Battle of Willow Creek. Because what else would it be? And Alaric says Tyler has been nominated to be in charge of production design. And at the same time, me and Tyler say, by who? And Alaric says, me. I've seen your sketches. They're good. Anyway, I'm going to go. It's like, okay, have fun with that. And to be fair to Alaric, he does have a lot of other things to do. And recreating a battle scene isn't like the most challenging artistic endeavor. And Tyler is an artsy boy. Let's not forget my little artsy king. Yeah, and Tyler does take the job. Like, he's kind of, like, a little apathetic about it, but he does it. I think it's the kind of thing he never would have volunteered for because it's, like, lame to be involved. But he's like, okay, well, it's kind of cool to be in charge of something. Yeah. Tyler tries to talk to Matt, and Matt is not having it. So they're still in a fight. Tyler says, basically, oh, you want to help with this? And Matt says, no. I mean, I get that it was, like, annoying that he made out with your mom, but, like, get over it. Like, I don't really understand this being such an issue. Like, I understand it being an issue. Don't get me wrong. But it's not like these two are, like, swimming in friends. Yeah, neither of them have really anyone to hang out with. I mean, I guess Matt can hang out with Caroline. But I wish he wouldn't. But, like, what else are they going to do? I mean, don't you guys want to, like, talk to someone? Yeah, Caroline has other friends. I mean, obviously, we know they're going to make up eventually because it's a TV show. Yeah but we got to have this conflict. Meanwhile, Caroline and Bonnie are talking about the Miss Mystic float, which of course Caroline's in charge of. And she's like, let's look at last year's float. She looks it up on Bing and she finds it really fast. So shout out to Bing for finding a float in a small town parade that fast. And she says, see this? This is exactly what we don't want to do. (laughs) And she's right. The float was ugly. I mean, it was doing nothing. And Caroline knows she's about to be on this float as she is Miss Mystic. So she needs it to really fit into her vibe. Yeah. She said, I am taking matters into my own hands. Like a true queen. And so Bonnie's like, okay, what are we going to do? And you got to love Bonnie. Great friend. She is not on like the Miss Mystic Court. And she's like, I'm working on this float with my friend. Yeah. And she's like, okay, Caroline, what's your idea? Let's see what we're going to be building. Yeah. And Caroline says, Southern classic elegance. And Bonnie says, gone with the wind. And Caroline's like, how'd you know? You kind of told her. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, Caroline. It's a pretty easy jump. Yeah. It's like. It was founded in 1864. The kind of best thing you can do about 1864 is gone with the wind. Stylish. And even that is that has its own issues. But that's where you'll get the best dress. Unfortunately, like hoop skirts are very pretty. Yeah. 
it's really unfortunate that it became such a confederate thing. And Caroline's like, look, I want to look cute and classic. Yeah, she's really concerned about wearing a hoop skirt. Yeah, you know that's what she's doing it for. Which, hey, respect. All respect to that. Not a good enough justification, but I get it. Yeah, Bonnie says that Caroline channels Scarlet daily. I'm not sure if that's true, but okay. She's a pretty white girl, so sure. She's being a good friend. You gotta love that Bonnie's like, I'm just gonna ignore how racist that movie was and speak to your like. Yeah, she's like, I'm not gonna pick my battles. I know this is about the hoop skirt for you. Yeah. <laughs> and they're both like kind of looking for Elena because she was supposed to help, as she said on the phone. Stayed on the phone, Damon, a little too long, mama. Yeah, you can talk while you drive, queen. Well, maybe that's illegal, but still. Caroline is like, I can tell you guys are fighting. What is the deal with that? And Bonnie, of course, can't say anything because it brings into question vampires, which Caroline at this moment doesn't know about. So Bonnie's like, you know, we just have to deal with it. And Caroline's like, you know, everyone's fighting. Matt and Tyler are fighting. You and Elena are fighting. I just want to fix everything. People need to tell me what's wrong so I can fix it. She's just she wants to be a good friend so bad and like people won't even let her. Yeah. And I get not wanting to tell her about the vampire stuff. I get wanting to keep as many people out of it as possible. Uh, But we'll see how long that lasts. At this point, it's getting more and more likely that she's going to find out some way. So don't you want to like get ahead of that a little? I guess maybe they think it's still a secret. But like we all saw what happened with Jeremy. Over under on when Caroline finds out about vampires. I feel like it has to be soon. Like, I feel like next episode. What about Matt and Tyler? When do you think they're going to find out? Oh, they're going to be a little longer. I would say end of season two for those two. I just think they are not connected enough to it. Also, because Matt and Caroline's breakup has to be on the horizon. Also, because you've been very clear, you think Tyler's going to be a werewolf. Do you think he's going to learn about werewolves, but not vampires? That's a good point. Yeah, I think he'll learn about werewolves because he's going to be going through that. But I'm guessing once he's, you know, once you learn about one supernatural creature, it's only a matter of time until the next one. I mean, you've already broken the seal. Do you think werewolves and vampires have some kind of historical relationship? I bet they at least are aware of each other. Sure. It's hard to say exactly what their relationship would be, but... Since we don't even know if werewolves are a part of this universe yet, for sure. But you're pretty confident. Yeah, since we that's not confirmed. Outside of my brain. Yeah. <laughs> I've been just picturing Tyler as a werewolf for like months. <laughs> I think that they are definitely aware of each other. I don't think they're like, I don't think they're an active alliance, but I don't think they're enemies. Like, I think sure. they're kind of just like, okay, we, we've each got our own thing. You do your thing. I'll do my thing. We'll stay out of each other's way. Less so than the witches and the vampires, which have more connections. So sure. I think they're less connected to the vampires and the witches. Sure, sure, sure. So then we go into the school where Damon is meeting Alaric, Elena, and Stefan. And he's like kind of doing a little jokey thing. But the mood in the room is somber. And Damon says, hey, what's with all the furrowed brows? And Alaric says, I saw Isabel last night. And that shakes Damon to his core as it shakes everyone. Yeah, he is not excited she's here. He's like, she's in town. So it's definitely not good news. But that's just our little tease. And then we check over and we go to a fancy mansion that has a big foreclosure sign on it. John is driving up in a sedan. Yeah, a 2003 like Ford sedan. Wearing like sunglasses and a leather jacket. And I'm like, are we supposed to be like, oh, he looks good. I know. Could they not have given him like a convertible? He really thinks that he's like running this town like 
You are not running any town in that car, not even a, a small town. Like teenagers have better cars than you. Yeah, he really thinks he's serving. Like, I'm sorry, you're working with Isabel and she couldn't compel you a better car. Yeah, you are not high on this totem pole, my guy. You are a henchman. Yeah, he gets that confirmed pretty much later, too. (laughs) Isabel does not treat him as an equal for most of this episode. Yeah, he's been acting like he's, like, been working on this plan. Yeah, he's been acting like he and Isabel are partners. But it's clear that Isabel is a henchman and John is her henchman. So he's a henchman's henchman. Yeah, that, unfortunately, you're the pawn, buddy. You are, like, the least important part of this plan. It's one ring. It can come off. Mm-hmm. And it it might, this episode. <laughs> yeah. So he goes into the house, and Isabel's there with, like, two people in like underwear. Two random hotties. Just, like, sexily dancing while she watches. It's a very weird energy, and John cannot hide the discomfort on his face from the weird energy. It is just funny. I think this is like, this kind of happens a couple of times, but this is the most egregious version of it. Like a vampire party is just like a vampire watching two hot people kind of grind on each other. Yeah, And it's like, is that really a party? I mean, yeah. And they all have like bite marks all over them. At first it looked like she was wearing like a feathered robe or something, but no, she's just wearing a fringy outfit. I was like, what is this? Just wearing a hideous necklace. Yeah, she's got weird energy. She's like speaking French. One of them, their name is Cherie, which must be a fake name. So she picked up Cherie at a jazz club and she picked up the gay cowboy in Amarillo. And John says he's gay because he's sexily dancing on a woman in a bra. And Isabel says, not right now. So Isabel's kind of a homophobe. Yeah, she's compelling the gay away. He's like, don't be gay. And he's like, I don't really see why that's such a fucking problem. Okay, homophobic bitch. He's like, I can excuse vampirism, but I draw the line at homosexuality. Yeah, that's a weird line to drop in for seemingly no reason. Yeah, and John is pretty judgmental, which, yeah, we're rare case of me agreeing with John. Yeah, John does not seem like jazz to see Isabel either. He's like, okay, now this weird vibe that I'm walking into. And Isabel says, you know, if we're going to be partners, you can't be such a hater. And he's like, well, you're torturing people. So, yeah, I am going to be a hater of that. Which, again, John, for once, having a point. Yeah, but, I mean, Isabel does also have a point that, like, what did he expect her to do? Well, like, he's like, oh, I hate vampires. But, like, what did I mean, you are working with one. So, yeah, make it make sense. Truly. And Isabel's pretty mad at John at the moment, too, because he has really been shitting the bed. Yeah. He's, like, very judgmental of vampires. And he's like, I'm only working with you because we have a mutual goal. I don't accept your lifestyle. And she's like, you know what? I don't accept. You can't get that invention. Yeah. She's like, what the fuck is taking you so long? He's like, look, I'm working on it. And she's like, really? She lists all of his failed tactics, threatening Damon, killing Pearl. She's like, it's obvious your plan isn't working. So I had to come in and fix it. Yeah. She's like, I'm stepping in this. This is done. She said, you guys are in a crisis. I'm on my way. So then we go back over to the school and check in on the meeting of the minds, which are Alaric, Damon, Stefan, and Elena. Damon's like, okay, does Isabel know John? And Alaric's like, I don't know. 
And then Damon's like, okay, did she ask about the invention? And he said, oh, I don't know. And he said, well, does she know about the vampires, the tomb vampires? And Alaric said, I don't know. And he said, did words completely escape you? And Alaric basically says, yeah. He said, my dead wife showed up. He's like, so what the fuck do you expect from me? Excuse the fuck out of me. He's like, I'm sorry. It was a really long day. And uh, Alaric does have a point. Like, yes, I get Damon being frustrated, but you have to admit, He's got other stuff going on. And that's probably why Isabel went to Alaric first because she knew it would shake him up. Yeah. All she had was the element of surprise. And so they tell Damon that Isabel said she wants to meet Elena. And Damon quickly turns to Elena and says, like, you don't have to if you don't want to. And Stefan clocks the tenderness. Yeah, he's like, okay, um, let us finish the information. Yeah, and Alaric's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, she's starting to go on a killing spree, so Elena actually kind of does have to meet with her. And Damon's like, oh, that's a problem for you all? <laughs> and it's like, hee, 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 but uh, okay, that's so we're going to be doing this then. Yeah, and Elena <laughs> also says, no, I want to meet her. I'll regret it if I don't. So, yeah, I get why she's doing it. I get why she's like, yeah, that makes sense to me. Well, I think it's kind of a plus that she, like, has to, so then she can't, like, it's like, okay, well, I have to be forced into this. Like, it's good I get to meet my birth mother, but I also, like, don't really have a choice about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's set up to be the easiest way to do this. So then we go over to the grill where the meeting is taking place. Great choice for a public space. Yeah. Elena's at the table, just sitting by herself, and Stefan is by the pool table, not even in a disguise, just in his regular outfit. And I mean, it's really a bold assumption that Isabel won't know who the Salvatores are. I mean, she knows Damon, so it's not a jump that she would know Stefan. Yeah, I mean, I get why they put Stefan in there. It's good to have him there. Like, I get it, but it's just like, well, yeah, she's going to know him. Like, could you not have put him in a wig at least? Like, honestly. (laughs) Blonde wig. I know it. I know it would be, it would be too funny for him to be in a wig for the show, it would cut the dramatic effect of the moment, but it would be a smarter move. So Stefan is eavesdropping on everything. So Elena's like just kind of talking to him from the table from across the restaurant. She's like, can you hear me? I love you. Thanks for being here. And it's a very sweet little moment. Yeah, he smiles at her. It did light a little Stelena fire in me, but only for a moment. Yeah. And then as Elena's like... (laughs) Uh, making lovey eyes at Stefan, who walks into her line of sight, but Isabel. Of course. And then Isabel's like, oh my God, you look just like her. And Elena's like, oh, so now you've met fucking Catherine too. It's always <laughs> fucking about Catherine. It's like my own fucking mom. I am so excited to get this confirmed that Isabel and Catherine know each other because I have felt this for so long and I thought it was like a foregone conclusion and I was starting to doubt myself a little bit. I won't lie to you. The logic tracks that Isabel and Catherine would know each other. It only makes sense. It's confirmed. We don't know how close they are. We know at the very least that Isabel's kind of working for Catherine at the moment. Yeah. Isabel said something interesting here that I want to mention that Mm. she said something about like Catherine mentioning Elena or something like that. So Isabel said that Catherine found her after she turned and she attributes it to genetic curiosity. And then oh, she why said she that she found would be, Isabel. Yeah, why she found Isabel. And then she said that she would be fascinated by Elena. So that's what I think is interesting, this genetic curiosity of why she found Isabel. So 
that's essentially saying Isabel is one of Catherine's descendants. Yes. Okay. That is essentially saying that. So then Elena is related to Catherine. Yes. That's okay. what we can that's what we can glean from this conversation. Okay, because we haven't really gotten any confirmation in any way of that. So that was interesting and that stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. Isabel has a daylight necklace. It's just a little bit of housekeeping. Catherine got it for her. And Elena is like, hey, who's my dad? And Isabel says, oh, he was a teenage waste of space. And Elena said a name would be nice. And Isabel says it would, wouldn't it? (laughs) She is just like, she's like, I want to meet Elena so I can shit on her for 10 minutes. Yeah. And she said, you ask a lot of questions. And at this point, Elena's asked like two, maybe two questions. Yeah. And to be fair, one of the questions is like, oh, is that necklace a daylight necklace? Which waste of a question, Elena. Yeah. But also Elena didn't know how limited her questions would be. You wouldn't have asked that if she knew she wasn't going to get any other answers. Yeah. She's like, well, I'm meeting my birth mother. I would like to ask a few questions. Yeah. And the first question was like, you know, Catherine, which again was another shock. Yeah. Which Isabel really led her into. So yeah, she walked her right into it. And Elena is like, hey, why'd you compel that guy to kill himself after he told me to stop looking for you? And she said, dramatic impact. And it was dramatic. We do have to give her that. Yeah, that was successful. And especially the fact that her doing that made Elena know Isabel was alive. (laughs) That was also dramatic in its way, in a way she didn't even intend. So, you know, success on that part. Yeah, incredible move by Isabel. And Elena's like, oh, so does human life mean nothing to you? And Isabel's like, yeah, it means absolutely nothing. That's part of being a vampire. And Elena's like, that's not true. Like, I know other vampires (laughs) and some of them are really nice. And Isabel's like, oh, like your boyfriend over by the pool table. And Stefan looks shocked to have been found out. Yeah, Elena and Stefan are both like, how did she know? Like, okay, guys, it's a it's a super hot guy just staring across the room at you. And again, she knows Catherine. Yeah, Stefan's not the most nonchalant dude. Like, I know you're there to protect Elena, but like, if you want to hide, like, you do have to play a little bit of pool. Like, you can't can't just just stand there holding a cue. Yeah, it looks suspicious. Which is what he was doing. Yeah. He should have, like, hopped behind the burr or something, made a couple drinks. Yeah, or like, I don't know, been out of Isabel's line of sight. Yeah, literally been, like, behind her. I guess he was kind of behind her, but he clocked. She clocked him. Well, yeah, I mean, she would have seen him regardless, but yeah. And then Isabel also says, why didn't you go for Damon? Good question. Good question, Miss Isabel. And then she says, or do you enjoy them both like Catherine did? And that pisses Elena right off. Yeah, Elena looks very pissed off by that. And and, uh, Stefan looks kind of sad about it. And it's like, Stefan, like she's dating you. Yeah, like she just said she loves you. Yeah, you're projecting, King. So then we check in on Alaric and Damon outside. Isabel made it very clear that neither of them were allowed to go inside, which makes sense because they both have history with her. I think she kind of assumed that they were going to send Stefan in, but what? But Stefan doesn't know that much about her, so who cares? Yeah, she wasn't going to fight Stefan being in there because, like, what is Stefan going to do? Yeah, she wanted to give Elena the illusion of safety and control in that situation because also Isabel has no business killing Elena right now because Elena's her key to getting the mention. So she's like, Stefan can be in there if he wants. I'm not really going to do anything. This is just the start of her plan. Yeah. You know, it's okay if he's there. Alaric like tells Damon, you still can't kill Isabel, even though she's awful. And Damon's like, Damon's basically like, that's dumb. Yeah. Damon's like, um, she literally shitted on you. 
Why do you want to protect her? And he's like, I don't know. It, I just, I can't believe the woman I married is gone. Like, there's just nothing there. And Damon's like, yeah, she gave up her humanity. And Alaric's like, but I don't understand. Like, Stefan's got his humanity. He's a good guy. He's like, even you, you're a dick, but there's human parts of you. But I didn't see anything in Isabel. And Damon explains to us, it's the first actual confirmation of a concept I've talked about before, that they can basically like switch off their humanity. He calls it like a button or a switch you can flip mm-hmm. to just turn off all your humanity. He says, you know, Stefan wants to have the full human experience. He wants to experience every episode of How I Met Your Mother. And you know Stefan watches How I Met Your Mother. Second only to Seinfeld. And he he's like, oh, I'm a Ted Mosby and I'm just looking for my fucking Robin. He's like, I can't wait to one day have a kid and tell them like the story of how I met their mother like this, except there'll be more drama. Yeah, he's like, it'll it'll be less of a comedy. Stefan loves Neil Patrick Harris. No, Stefan loves Jason Siegel. Oh, OK, but like people who love Jason Siegel, like uh, are children. No, I know. I, I know what I'm saying. OK, I like Stefan. OK, yeah, because I think him liking Neil Patrick Harris on that show particularly would be kind of a yeah, that would be a red flag. No, he likes Jason Siegel. He likes Neil Patrick Harris, but he doesn't really love the character on the show. He really likes Jason Siegel, and that's the kind of and he likes he the yeah, he wants to um yeah, he wants to be like Marshall, but sometimes he relates a little bit to Ted Mosby. He would never admit it. Yeah. And so Alaric's like, Oh, well, you you haven't turned yours off. And Damon's like, How do you know I haven't? Damon basically says, like. He has, to, he almost says it straight out like, oh yeah, mine's off. But obviously it's not. Yeah. And so it's really interesting. Damon is clearly pretending that he's got it turned off to as many people as he can. I think it's a defense mechanism. Yeah, he's like, well, you can't hurt me because my humanity's off. He doesn't want to be like this emotional booty guy that Stefan is. He wants to still have the fun parts of being a vampire. And he's also showing that you can like- have the fun press of being a vampire without letting the guilt debilitate you the way Stefan does. But he is, his humanity's on. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's obvious. Yeah. He is very good without turning off his switch about compartmentalizing his emotions. He's had to be for his whole lifetime as a vampire because he was mourning Catherine and searching for Catherine all this time. He had to compartmentalize his heartbreak in order to survive. When he had to hold on to that love for Catherine because that's what was keeping him alive for a long time, I'm sure, because, you know, early transition couldn't have been easy. And if he's turning off his humanity, then he's forgetting what it's all for. So he has been working through it much longer than Stefan has, because I think Stefan had his humanity off for quite some time, as we talked about last episode. Mm -hmm. And so he's a little bit more able to kind of separate those areas and be like, well, yeah, I killed this person, but this was the justification and the reasoning. And so I have to live with that yeah it's like i have to be able to live with my own decisions he has that kind of ability of like i'm making decisions that i can live with and some of them are not great but i know i'm gonna have to live with them he's not taking the easy way out yeah i'm being able to be like yeah that wasn't my best decision but like i made it yeah so i can't like undo it so there's no point in me like being depressed about it all the time which Stefan has not gotten there yet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So then we go back in and check in with uh, Isabel and Elena. Just a fun little mother-daughter date. Isabel says, you know, I was curious about you, Elena. 
but also I want the invention. And Elena's like, okay, so you're just a bitch. And Isabel says that she knows Uncle John from her childhood. She spent a lot of time here when she was little. John had a crush on her for years, and he's the first one who taught her about vampires. That's all she tells Elena about her relationship with John. Yeah, and that's interesting that John was just given up this vampire information, and now he's like, oh, we have a founding family stuff. Like, he couldn't tell Jenna, but you could tell a teenage girl, whatever. Yeah, well, probably he regrets telling Isabel. Yeah, <laughs> probably he was like, that That was a bad decision. That was a bad decision. Yeah, that backfired on me. Huh? Like, I'm not going to tell anyone about vampires ever again, not even Jeremy. That's true. And then Elena says, like, why did you want to be a vampire? And Isabel basically says, like, it's a long list of reasons, and I'm sure you've thought about all of them. And Elena's like, no. And Isabel's like, well, you lied just then. She's like, that's a fucking lie. She's like, it's an inevitability. Of course, you're going to think about it. You're going to get old and Stefan won't. And she said forever doesn't last very long when you're human. And I do think in the back of Elena's mind, she knows at some point in her life, this is something she's going to have to consider. But she didn't think it would have to be this soon. She's been kind of caught up in the day to day and the current drama. But this is always in the back of her mind. Well, yeah, she started thinking about it when Lexi came because Lexi mm-hmm. mentioned it, too, that she was like, you know, like this guy I was in love with was a human and really started Elena on this path of like, at some point, I'm going to have to think about this. Like, it doesn't have to be right now. But and I don't. Yeah. And I don't have to make the final decision for a while. But at some point, I'm going to have to decide. I'm going to have to either start getting older or stick around forever. You know, it's like those kind of divisions. And so I think Isabel bringing it up does not help matters also because Isabel has complicated things a lot already. Well, and also, I mean, Elena's just come off the heels of dealing with Stefan's drama with blood. Mm-hmm. Elena is probably scared at the prospect of being a vampire right now more than she has been because up until that happened, everything was pretty calm, cool, casual. And now it's like, oh shit, there's like death and destruction if I decide to make this decision. So she's kind of pushing it off and dealing with the matter at hand. But unfortunately now the matter at hand has brought this back into her consciousness. Yeah, bringing up this conversation. So Elena's not doing well. <laughs> yeah, so Elena deflects this conversation and basically is like, well, I don't have the invention, so I'm going to go. Thanks for uh, the coffee. And Isabel pulls her down and she said, no, um, sit back down. I know you don't have the invention, but you are going to get it for me. Go get it from Damon. And Elena says he won't give it to her. And Isabel's like, "Mm." yeah. And so Isabel's like, well, then the blood's going to be on your hands, queen. So hope you like that. And Elena's like, I don't. (laughs) Yeah. At this point, Elena's like very freaked out by it. But she like doesn't believe that Damon's going to give it to her. They don't know when the killing spree is going to start. It's all very sad. So Isabel gets up to leave and Elena's like crying. This was an emotional conversation. And Bonnie walks in and sees Elena crying and they like make eye contact. And Bonnie almost goes up to Elena and like comforts her. But then Stefan comes up behind Elena and Bonnie doesn't want to deal with that. So Bonnie leaves. Yeah. So Stefan, could you not have like given her some space? Yeah. If I were Stefan and I saw Bonnie standing there with this knowing look, I would have been like, I'm going to go. Like, I'll let these two talk. Yeah. I think he was like, well, I want to help her deal with this Isabel stuff. It was just a, you know, it's just sad. This Elena Bonnie moment. Mm hmm. So then we cut over to the Gilbert house where Jeremy and Jenna are hanging out. Jeremy's leaving a voicemail for Anna because Anna hasn't been returning his calls, which is very scary. But Jenna's like, you know what? I like Anna. She has fire. It's like, well, she's not calling me back, so I don't really care if you like her. Yeah, so Jeremy's like, that's not really the problem. Like, you liking her has never really mattered much to me. Yeah, 
First of all, did I ask? <laughs> Second of all, do I care? And then as if John can like sense people having fun, in comes John to suck it out of the room. He says, girl trouble. And it's like, oh my God. And they're like, oh, hi. And he's like, oh, is that that girl I saw you with at the uh, pageant? When was the last time you saw her? It's like, okay, Sheriff John Gilbert. (laughs) Yeah, he is not being subtle. It's like he really has lost all of his power. He was so like up and above and powerful for like one episode. It got to his head too fast. Yeah, it got to his head too fast. And clearly Isabel scared and be like, you're shitting the bed. And he was like, no, I have it under control. So we got he's like, where's Anna? Where's that other vampire, uh, Jeremy? And it's like, okay, dude. We are not friends. He wants these kids to tell him about vampires so bad. And neither of them have any interest. I know. Unfortunately, the vampires got to them first in both cases. John's like, I really fucked up by not being here when the parents died. Yeah. He really should have gone straight to Jeremy and said, hey, let me tell you something now that your dad's dead. Yeah, this is kind of the legacy of the family. Yeah, he should have really gotten in on the ground floor, but he missed his chance. And Jeremy's like, why are you asking so many questions? And John's like, well, no one else in this house likes me. And Jeremy's like, did I ever say I like you? (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I just want to help you with your girl troubles. It's what your dad would have wanted. I think he says that there. And Jeremy's like, I'm good. Thanks, though. Yeah. Because and, you know, Jeremy doesn't know this, but we've seen how John deals with his ex-girlfriends. Not well. Yeah, I don't think you'd be a lot of help, Uncle John. You really are. So then we cut over to Isabel's little foreclosure home where Damon's hanging out with our new favorite character, Cherie, <laughs> who is in a completely new lingerie set. When she had time to get it, I don't know. Good for her. I mean, why not? And they're playing like strip poker. Good for Damon. Have a little fun. And Isabel's like, oh, my God, it's just one blast from the past after another today, isn't it? And she's like, how'd you find me here? And he said, I looked at a list of bank-owned foreclosures and picked the most expensive one. And she said, oh, yeah, you did teach me that trick. It's like, girl, you wanted him to find you. Yeah. And it is so, Isabel, to find a mansion to just hole up in. Which, hey, that's what I would do, too. I love it. It's a great plan. But, of course, she's just in this mansion with her two little haughty henchmen. Yeah. Yeah, she found two hot people in a mansion. She's like, I'm set for the next week or so. Yeah. she's like she's like i love being a vampire this is the life i dreamed of this is what i left my husband for she said fuck my husband (laughs) this shit rocks and you know what no offense to a lyric this does seem better to me than being married to a high school history teacher yeah no tea no shade no pink lemonade so damon kind of tries to charm her and she's like where's the fucking device and he's like hey what are you doing hanging out with john gilbert Mm -hmm. And she says, oh, we dated a few times and he was obsessed with me. So note here, the difference between what she tells Damon and Elena. She told Elena that John had a crush on her, but she tells Damon that they dated and he was obsessed with her. She gave away too much information to Damon. And we see later that that's the clue he needed. She's trying to purposely make it vague because I don't think she wants Elena to know that John's her father. Unfortunately, she didn't keep it vague enough. Well, I think she wants to keep it vague, but she does also want to like, I feel like she's trying to like make Damon jealous a little bit. Yeah, she wants to cause drama. I mean, Isabel is a messy bitch who lives for drama. Let's say that. Which you got to kind of stand. Yeah, she wants Damon to be jealous. She also, I think, I think she wants someone to figure out that John's the father 
so that that can cause drama in Elena's life, but she wants her to not be the one to say it. Yeah, she doesn't want to say it. She wants Elena to figure it out. She wants Elena to figure it out and she wants to fuck with John because he's really shitting on everything. And nothing would fuck with John more than having to um, reveal that information. Yeah, because once that comes out to Elena, I doubt he will be allowed to live in that house. Yeah, I'm just going to throw that out, but we'll see. She notably does not tell Damon why she wants the invention. She says, look, I'm just doing what I'm told. We're both on the same side. And Damon's like, oh, what side is that? And she says, Catherine's. And Damon was not expecting that. (laughs) Unlike me. Yeah. (laughs) Damon doesn't have my brain power. Exactly. (laughs) Damon Salvatore wants what I have. Yeah, he does. And then, so they make out for a second, but really Damon just does it to get her in a position to like choke her and not in a sexy way, in a threatening way (laughs) and say, hey, leave Elena alone. And earlier she had said like something about don't shoot the messenger. So Damon at this point says, by the way, I do believe in shooting the messenger. You know why? Sends a message. Great line by him. I think it was interesting because at the beginning of this conversation, I was like, Damon is trying really hard to look tough around her and I'm not sure he fully is because the Catherine thing did shake him and then I was like oh he's just gonna let Isabel win and make out with him and then he did bring out the real toughness and I was like thank you Damon it is what we need and then Damon says you can tell Catherine the bitch should come here herself I think Catherine made a similar mistake as Isabel because these two are birds of a feather she waited a little too long she should have come back a little sooner when Damon was maybe a little bit more on the hook Yeah, Catherine really didn't think Damon would fall for Elena that fast. Yeah. Catherine's like, who the fuck is this Elena? She said, okay, well, I'm going to have to compel someone else, I guess. Yeah, so we find out from this scene that basically Isabel is working for Catherine. And we find out more about that later. I'm trying to think, like, why exactly she would. I think Isabel kind of likes the drama uh, is one reason. But also, Catherine did get her a daylight necklace. Catherine seems to be, from what we know about Catherine, Catherine seems to be a powerful ally for a new vampire to have. I agree with that. But we don't know a lot about Catherine, really, in the modern day. We know a lot about Catherine in 1864, but we really don't know what Catherine's been up to. Yeah, and I make a lot of assumptions. And who knows if we'll ever find out what Catherine's up to. I'm sure we will, but... (laughs) And then we cut over to the Gilbert house. Bonnie has come to see Elena... Being the bigger person, like a good friend. It's really sweet. She's basically like, look, I noticed you were upset at the grill and I walked away. And I'm sorry, that's not like me. I really want us to be friends and I want to be there for you. And Elena says, well, I'm glad you're here. I met my birth mother. And Bonnie's like, oh, I'll go. And Elena basically starts crying as if to say, well, it went truly, truly awful in every conceivable way. It was literally horrible. So then we go over to the float building day at the high school. Matt's working on something and Tyler, you know, tries again to come up to him. Tyler says, hey, I heard you've been um, on your own the last few weeks. Matt is still mad at him. Matt's like, oh, you're asking about my mom, which Tyler asked about you, not your mom. You're projecting King. And like Tyler was trying to reach out like he knows he made a mistake and he's trying to be like, hey, like, Matt, what's up? And Matt's like, I hate you. Yeah, Tyler basically is like, I don't know what to say. And Matt's like, you're a dick. End of story. And Tyler's like, yeah, I know that. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, Tyler's like, I'm trying to apologize for it. Like, yeah, to be fair, there is nothing Tyler really can say. And eventually, like the sting of this will have settled because it's not like he's dating his mom. It's one of those things that I think 
Matt has been so mad at his mom that he's really mad at his mom, but he can't really take it out on her because he kicked her out. Yeah. And Tyler's an easy one to take it out on because Tyler is like objectively kind of a dick. So yeah. it's like, OK, this is kind of a victimless crime. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, the person he's really mad at and is, is his mom. And that's the person who he should be mad at because she's the adult. She's the one who made out with the teenager. A teenager making out with a grown woman is a very different thing. And obviously, Matt's just pissed off about a number of things about his life. And Tyler's the only punching bag he has right now. Yeah. And I think on a level, Tyler knows that, which is why he's just kind of letting him get it out. Yeah. And why he's like reaching out to him and being like, hey, what's going on? And then he's like, "Okay, like, you're still mad. Fine. I'll back off. He's Mm -hmm. like, "Okay, waiting for it, you know? Yeah. And then up in like a science classroom. Bonnie is showing Elena that she's been reading Emily's spellbook and she found pictures in the spellbook of Jonathan Gilbert's inventions. And we find out that John Gilbert never actually invented anything. They all were spelled. I think this is so funny because this amounts essentially to when I thought I could build a jetpack out of cardboard boxes. Yeah. And like if somehow like someone had switched out a real jetpack and I'd be like, oh, I built a jetpack. Like, no, you didn't. So this just shows us Jonathan Gilbert did nothing. Go, go give us nothing. And we find out that Emily did this because she was really loyal to Catherine, but also wanted to protect the townspeople against vampires. And so this is the only way she could do it is to spell the toys of a guy who was trying to invent anti-vampire stuff. It is just hysterical to me that Jonathan Gilbert thought he was an inventor. The entire Gilbert line calls him this prolific inventor. And it was a witch. He just essentially like made a toy. I love it because you have kind of alluded to this a couple of times. Like, well, how do you think this works? How do you think this works? And the only thought I can ever have is like, maybe it's spelled. But then I was like, well, how would Jonathan Gilbert have spelled it? He didn't. He yeah. didn't invent anything. I love it. He basically just came up with an idea of, of a compass that points at vampires. And then it suddenly worked and he was like, wow. Yeah, he like built a compass and it worked. He's like, I'm a genius. Dumbass. I kind of love it. He said, no one is doing it like me. I just love it because I hate him so much. And I love to know that he literally was just a dumbass. Yeah, he looks like a chump after this. It's amazing. I wish Pearl had been alive to hear this is the only yeah. thing that... I wish. (laughs) Oh, it makes me giggle. Oh, it's so funny. And so they find the picture of the compass, the rings that Alaric and John Gilbert have, and the mystery piece that they're all like talking about this episode. They find out from the spell book that the invention everyone's looking for is a weapon against vampires. And Bonnie is like, why would Isabel want this? And that's the big question. So then we go back outside to where everyone's building the floats. Jeremy goes up to Elena and he said, hey, you know, my friend Anna, have you heard from her? And Elena's like, oh, I didn't know that um, you were still hanging out with her. And he's like, yeah, I am. Have you heard from her? And she says, no. And he says, OK. He said, let's not fucking beat around the bush anymore. You lie all the time. I know what Anna is. I know, you know, have you spoken to her? And Elena is just dumbfounded by this. So she's like, no, I haven't. And then she's kind of still speechless and she's like, wait, but we do need to talk about this. But Jeremy's already moving out. Yeah, Elena hasn't talked to Anna. They have no reason to talk to each other lately. But in this conversation, Elena learns that Jeremy knows she can assume that if he's been talking to Anna and he knows that Anna's a vampire, she can assume he knows pretty much everything she knows. Yeah. 
or at least knows that like she's also dating a vampire and like a couple other things. Anything since Anna came to town, he would know. Yeah, Jeremy really dropped the bomb and then just pieced. Yeah, and he could have avoided dropping the bomb because he kind of is really worried about Anna. And he should because he hasn't heard from her, but I think he's been letting it fester. You know, he's like mm-hmm. and he's mad at Elena for lying. He's been holding that in. Yeah, he's been stressed about Anna and he has been like mad at Elena. And he's been still like figuring out how he feels about Elena lying to him. And yeah. and then John tries to get him to talk about vampires. So he's like, OK, I'm done with this. I just need to ask. Yeah, he's like, let's stop goofing around over here. And so he walks away. And Elena is about to like chase him down and ask more. But then Isabel comes up and she's like, hey, it's like, oh, my God. And Elena's like, what are you doing here? And Isabel's like, I'm your mom. I want to be more involved in your life, which haha, very funny. Yeah. And she says, well, look, I have been learning about all your friends. Let me see if I get this right. And she goes around and basically names everyone Elena cares about. She's like, there's Bonnie, the witch. I'm going to stay away from her. Good call. (laughs) Yeah. Isabel's (laughs) like, I won't be touching that. There's obnoxious Caroline. It's like, oh, come on. <laughs> Even you. Yeah, it's so mean. But she also drops the bomb that she got a bunch of this info from Caroline. So how did that happen? I think she was just talking to Caroline and Caroline was just talking. Caroline's she, so friendly. The, and she had no idea who she was and Caroline's so friendly. She also calls Caroline yappy, which is funny. I, which I love Caroline. And I think that's a good quality of hers, to be completely honest. But it is true. And then she points at Matt and she says, your ex and, and Yappy's future ex. Even Isabel is like, that couple's not going to last. And Elena just ignores that comment because she's like, yeah, Matt, I won't fight. And Elena's like, hey, um, can you leave? Yeah. And Isabel's like, no. She's like, mm, I will not. But thank you. And so Isabel points out her gay cowboy who's not gay. And who's in a Western shirt like you bought new lingerie for this other girl, but you made him stick with the Western fit. Yeah, but he's still wearing his rodeo clothes. And also you picked up a woman named Cherie and a man named Frank. Give him a fake name. She likes the juxtaposition. I mean, she's a really highbrow, lowbrow kind of lady. That makes sense. (laughs) So Isabel points out she's like, there's my friend Frank. He is over by Matt. And he's really handy. He noticed a rusty axle. He's like, all you have to do is apply a little bit of pressure. And and then we see Frank jump on like the bed of the truck, like the tire falls off and it crushes Matt's hand pretty bad. Yeah. And he's like stuck under the trailer, which I did make a joke when we were watching <laughs> that she names Matt and it's like, OK, you can hurt him. But then she did hurt him. So it stopped being funny. Yeah. <laughs> so a bunch of the boys come together to lift up the trailer and then Stefan comes in really does what needs to be done. Yeah. He obviously does the brunt of the work, but he joins a group, so he does it pretty subtly. And Stefan's like, okay, Caroline, call an ambulance. And so Isabel talks to Elena and she's like, I just wanted to show you, like, it's very easy for me to hurt the people you care about if I want to. So are you going to get me the invention now? Elena says, Damon won't give it to me. He'll kill you first. And Isabel's like, oh, is that before or after I killed Jeremy? She had Sharif as backup taking Jeremy. Smart move. She had two plots going on at once. That's why you need two henchmen. And so then she looks, Jeremy's gone. I mean, he's just gone. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, John's not going to like that. Caroline comes back and says the ambulance will be there in 15 to 20 minutes. What is it? An Uber? (laughs) The fuck? It's a tiny town and I know you have your own hospital. So like, how do you have one ambulance? And Tyler's like, oh, I can drive. And Matt's like, I'm not driving with him on principle. Matt's like, I'll wait for the ambulance. 
And Caroline's like, no, fuck you. You're going with Tyler. Caroline's like, I don't have patience for this. Yeah, he's like, Caroline, can you please drive me? And she's like, out of my car. Yeah. Like, you're going with Tyler. I don't care. She's like, I have a float to build, first of all. Yeah, she's like, I'm busy. She's like, I'm fucking Miss Mystic. I can't go to the hospital. Yeah, I don't have time for this. <laughs> so they go. And then we go back over to Isabel's current home. And John comes in. She's like, I don't have the invention yet, but it won't be long now. And he's like, then why'd you call me over here? Yeah, he's like, well, I can see you're packing, so it must be soon. And she's like, oh, because I have the next best thing to the invention. And it's Jeremy being held hostage. And John's like, um, you should let him go. That's my nephew. So I'm not cool with this. And Isabel's like, hey, that little ring on your finger, it comes off. So like, let's all remember who's got the power here. And John's like, I'm already so scared of you please do not make it even scarier and john is talking to her he tries to like break through clearly her no humanity fog he's like listen i know you you won't hurt a kid and she's like i'll kill him to prove you wrong it's like okay that backfired she's like i am gonna kill a kid and you need to get that fucking straight so she gets her henchman to beat him up kind of debilitate him and then isabel takes his ring just for good measure for a while to keep him kind of weak Yeah, and also makes him less likely to kind of revolt because John is only confident when he knows he can't die. Yeah. And he's already not very confident right now. So him without a ring, I mean, that's got to feel like a defenseless little baby. He's not the toughest fighter in what we've seen so far. The ring does a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah, the ring is what makes him act like such a tough guy. So then Bonnie and Elena and Stefan are catching up at school. They kind of, we assume, have told Stefan that the device kills vampires. They're like, well, Damon has the device. And Elena's like, I'll talk to him. And Stefan's like, it's going to be pretty hard to reason with him. So then we take our little group over to the Salvatore house, the way they're meeting up with Damon. They're like, hey, Damon, give us the device to give to Isabel. Bonnie can de-spell it. So she'll take the spell out of the device and we save Jeremy. It's a win-win. Yeah, no one gets the device and we save Jeremy. Like, it's just an empty device. And that sounds like a pretty good plan, but Damon is not immediately on board. Mostly because Damon doesn't trust Bonnie, nor does he really believe in her powers. He says she's no Emily Bennett. Which is true. Yeah, she's new. She's new. It's it's not a judgment call. But he also doesn't trust Bonnie because he knows she's not happy with them after the tomb debacle. Well, and this thing about witches in general, like, they will help vampires when it's advantageous to them. But they are like very much like doing what protects themselves. That's kind of the MO in this family. And I think Damon knows that more than Stefan and Elena know that because Mm -hmm. Graham straight have told him that many times. Yeah. Elena is like blinded by her friendship for Bonnie. So she thinks Bonnie will do everything for her, which to be fair, Bonnie did say she would die for her. But Bonnie never said she would die for Stefan. Yeah. I mean, in a way, I mean, we'll get to this, but Bonnie is doing this for her still, just in a way Mm -hmm. that Elena wouldn't approve of. be cool with yeah so bonnie tries to address one of damon's concerns which is her level of power because she can't address the other one and she's like name a book i'll get it and he picks call of the wild by jack london <laughs> that's a hot boy book it is a hot boy book i mean there's there's no way around that yeah i thought she was gonna fly the book and just hit him in the head i thought that would have been, been funnier but no she just gave it to him yeah and he calls it a great parlor trick Damon does not trust Bonnie. He doesn't want to do this. But Elena says, like, look, this is my plan. And Damon, you can trust me. Connection AF. She's proven that he can trust her with the whole Catherine thing. Of course, that ended up backfiring because she wasn't in the tomb. But 
But that wasn't Elena's fault. Yeah, Elena did everything right. So he gives Elena the device and Stefan absolutely notices the sparks that are flying and the tenderness that is shared between the two of them. How can you not? Also, because when he hands her the device, like they do a little bit of hand holding. Stefan's like, OK, let's keep it moving. Someone's like, OK, the, the device is in her hand. I'm like, OK, can we go? We got places to be, guys. Let's not just stare at each other. Yeah, you can tell Stefan notices. So then we go back over to Isabel's house where John is in pain. Jeremy gives him like a rag to clean himself up. And he's like, hey, what's Isabel after? And John tells Jeremy about the device. And he says, like, that's what we're looking for because there's a group of vampires who want revenge. And so we want to get rid of them. And he says that Isabel has her own reasons for this. Do you think she has her own reasons or do you think she has Catherine's reasons? I think she has Catherine's reasons. I think there's some people in that tomb that Catherine doesn't want out for whatever reason, probably because a lot of them will be mad that Catherine got out of the tomb. And so I think she's like, I don't really care what happens to these vampires. And John says that they got to kill them all. They got to kill all the vampires. And Jeremy says there's some good ones. And John's like, well, your dad wouldn't think that. Uh, so you need to learn. John's like, there aren't any. And your dad wouldn't think so either. And your dad would really be pissed at you if he thought that you thought that there were good ones. And Jeremy's like, oh, excuse me for getting a girlfriend. Yeah, Jeremy's like, oh, my fucking God. So they go back to the Salvatore house. Bonnie does a little spell. The lights flicker, the fire rises, the little device floats in the air for a little bit. And she says, okay, I did what you told me to do. I took the magic out. And Elaine says, great, we'll give it to Isabel. It's a pretty convincing spell. Yeah, I mean- Say what you will. Bonnie does know how to like move stuff around. Well, because what are they going to do? Like that wasn't the right spell. How would they know? <laughs> well, and that's why Bonnie knows she has kind of the upper hand because there's no other witches here. None of them are going to be like, you just flickered the lights. Even though this is exactly the trick that Gramps pulled on them at the tomb. Yeah. Knowing that she faked it now, it's funny to watch that scene and be like, so she just floated it in the air, flickered some lights and raised the fire. She said, oh, yeah, the vampires love a fire trick. Yeah, she said vampires <laughs> fire tricks them every time, which is exactly what they did in the tomb, too. Uh, hey, it works. It's a good strategy for her, for her reasons. Tried and true. So then we go to the town square where Elena is meeting Isabel. Isabel says, OK, do you have the device? And Elena's like, where's my brother? And Isabel's like, this isn't a negotiation, but actually, in a way, it is. And I think it's totally reasonable to ask for safety of Jeremy before handing over the device. Yeah, I agree with that. It's like, Isabel, come on. The least you can do. Let's not get greedy here, Mama. Yeah, you're getting the device. Just let her confirm her brother's alive. Isabel's like, do you really think I came alone? And she shows her two hotties, which, look, they're effective henchmen, but don't act like they're like the best you could find. And Elena, of course, also didn't come alone. She brought both Salvatores. Plus, are we meant to assume that Isabel's henchmen are not just humans? It stands to reason, based on what we know about her previous henchman, that she was compelling that guy. It's effective to have a human on your side because he doesn't have to be invited in. That's true. That is true. So we can we are meant to assume they're humans, but very obedient ones. That's what I thought. I know. To be fair, humans are better henchmen because you can just compel them to do whatever you want. A vampire might rebel. They're easier to use, but they're also easier to kill. Yeah. So it's kind of a trade-off situation. Yeah, it's pros and cons when you're picking out your henchmen. So Isabel's like, fine, call home, speak to Jeremy. So she gets Jeremy on the phone. He answers. He's like, John hit his head, but I'm OK. And in that scene, it seems pretty clear that Jeremy hasn't been compelled to forget that, that he remembers the events of the afternoon. 
And he's basically saying as little as possible. Yeah. So Elena hangs up the phone, turns back to Isabel, and she says, you were never going to hurt him. And she says, no, I was going to kill him. Don't look for any redeeming qualities in me because I don't have any. Yeah. And Elena's like, "Okay, bitch, um, fine. Do you think she does have any redeeming qualities? You think she doesn't? I think we'll see some interesting stuff as we get closer to the end of the episode. But I think, you know, she doesn't want to be a mother. Yeah. It's unclear, you know, how much or if she really does like regret turning into a vampire. But if that is indeed the case, then it stands to reason that similar to John and Bonnie, that she's like, we should just kill all these vampires so there's no concern. And so there might be some maternal instinct protecting Elena, but it's also easier to just kind of push that off. I think she's pushing off those redeeming qualities because she doesn't want to be a mother. And she's like, okay, this just isn't worth the energy. And she knows that in the Vampire Diaries, what always ruins a plan? Emotional involvement. Yeah, and she's like, look, if I'm going to be doing this, I guess I want to be alive. Do you think... Isabel is working for Catherine because she wants to or because she has to like Catherine has something on her. Isabel needs something from Catherine. Like, do you think Isabel wants to be working for Catherine or just feels it's a means to an end? I feel like it's not like forced into it, but I think she knows that Catherine is a powerful ally. Mm -hmm. Like, I think she's choosing to work with Catherine. I think she likes some things about Catherine and following the path. So I think she's choosing to and she like wants to be on her team. I mean, it's a smart teammate to have. And also like it's not like working with Catherine makes it impossible for her to have a relationship with Elena. I mean, it definitely complicates things because Catherine can't be too pleased that Elena has stolen both of her little boyfriends and looks exactly like her. But I don't think Catherine like wants to kill Elena. Like I don't get that vibe of that's something she would do. I think she would much rather like steal the salvators from elena than kill elena sure she wants her life back yeah so i think isabel likes working for Catherine because i think if she were working with Catherine for something like she wouldn't have a daylight necklace oh yeah smart like that would be something that she would be working for i don't see what else she would be working for like maybe elena's protection but again i don't really think Catherine would want to hurt elena like even though it yeah. would be like an easy path if she like really doesn't like Elena, but that just doesn't read as something that matters to her, to me. Yeah. As as someone who's never met Catherine. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Elena says, but you took a risk with Damon. How did you know that you would give me the device? And Isabel says, because he's in love with you. Isabel really is like, "Uh, I'm going to blow up Damon's spot real quick, just for fun, just for shits and gigs. The Salvatores hear the statement and they are both very uncomfortable with it because Damon is like, uh, I was keeping that to myself. And Stefan was like, I fucking knew. It. Yeah. And Elena's like, what? It's like, sweetie. I know Elena is shocked. It's like, mama. Elena's like, I am too hot. It's too much. She's like, my power is undeniable. <laughs> Isabel, at the end of the day, is a messy bitch who lives for drama. And you gotta love that because... If you're going to be a vampire, you might as well be a fun vampire. Yeah, you're going to be alive for eternity. You might as well cause some drama along the way. Yeah, well, she hasn't been involved in Elena's life for like 16, 17 years. You got to leave a mark. Yeah, make your mark. (laughs) So Elena gives Isabel the device and she says, hey, thank you for being a monumental disappointment. And Isabel's like, "Okay, see ya. 
She's like, it keeps the memory of my real mother intact. It's like, okay. Yeah. Isabel's like, I don't really care. Look, based off John Gilbert, and I'm assuming her adoptive father, John Gilbert's brother, Grayson, I don't think her mother was really any prize either. Yeah. No shade to Miss Jenna. I think it's closer to being a good person, but she did choose to marry a Gilbert. Yeah. She ends up being involved. Isabel says, as long as you have a Salvatore on each arm, you're doomed. Catherine was smart. She got out. But we all know you're not Catherine. What do you make of this little comment? I mean, Catherine getting out is a good point. But she got out a little late. But she hasn't come back to either of them. Well, but she's getting back in. She's getting involved in their drama. That's true. But I do think it's one of those things of like separating Catherine from it too. Like, I don't think Catherine was really in love with either of the Salvatore brothers the way Elena is. Yeah. But she also, you know, Isabel says like, you're not Catherine in a way that makes it sounds like it's an insult in some way. Yeah. But I think Elena and Stefan and even Damon would consider that a compliment. Oh, yeah. I think she's also pointing out like, you know, you are not this ruthless person that kind of a vampire needs to be. Isabel has a clear view of what vampirism is meant to be. That's come out a lot of that you have to be kind of disconnected from everything and kind of evil and no redeeming qualities, which maybe her getting it from Catherine, but that's like not necessarily the case. And we've seen that across, you know, most of the vampires, there's always some more complexities to it. But Isabel seems to very much be like, I wanted to be a vampire for power. And now I have to be like a villain. Well, you have to remember that her humanity is turned off. Yeah. So. Yeah which obviously is very tempting when you're a new vampire. I think, I mean, we can talk about this more with her conversation with Alaric. I think there is a part of her that regrets turning into a vampire. And if her humanity's on, she has to deal with that. If her humanity's off, she doesn't. Well, and also knowing that when she became a vampire, she gave up really any true chance of acting as Elena's mother. And also of like, you know, even though she chose to leave Alaric, like that couldn't have been a, just clean, break, easy decision the way she wants us to believe. Totally. So Isabel leaves after just causing a bunch of drama. Messing with everyone's emotions. Stefan hugs Elena. and we, we get a classic shot where Stefan and Elena are hugging and Elena is staring at Damon. And then she buries her head and then Stefan looks at Damon and then Damon looks away and leaves. Yeah, it's very interesting because Damon does hold Elena's gaze and they have this kind of knowing look. But then as soon as Stefan makes eye contact with Damon, he averts his eyes and goes. Mm -hmm. Could there be more proof he's in love with her? No. I mean, Damon feels guilty for being in love with Elena, but alas. Yeah, he feels bad that he's doing that to Stefan. But like, that's why he's closing himself off and being like, my humanity's turned off because he knows Stefan's humanity is a selling point to Elena. And the more he can say, like, I don't have humanity, the more he can stop this before it even begins. Yeah, he can deny he's in love with Elena if his humanity's off. Yeah. Because he's like, I couldn't be in love if my humanity's off, but he can't hide it because he's so in love. Love is too powerful. Yeah, love wins. <laughs> so then we go over to the Gilbert house. Jeremy still can't reach Anna. And Elena's like, hey, I want to talk to you about everything. And he said, you don't have to talk to me about anything because I read your entire journal. She's like, okay, fuck. <laughs> She's definitely a little offended by it, but also like, okay, so you know everything, everything. She knows that the worst part of it is 
her having Damon erase his memory. She obviously has regretted it since she's done it. Yeah. And that was something I think she didn't want him to know. The rest she thought they could talk through. And he says, basically, like, I know you erased my memory. I know you made Damon erase my memory. Yeah. He's like, don't even get mad at me for this invasion of privacy because you like invaded my brain, essentially. Yeah. Which a good point. Elena's like, look, I'm really sorry. I understand why you're upset about that. I feel bad about it. But when Vicky died, it was like mom and dad died all over again. You were inconsolable. I felt like I had to. It's kind of her trying to defend her actions, but she is sorry about it. But he also like he tells her to get out and she does. And we've seen him talk to Anna about how he feels kind of conflicted about it. Like he feels good and bad about it because he understands the positives of it. He can't contextualize the grief he was going through right now. Yeah, it's it's hard to accept the fact that like your sister has lied to you in like all these ways, which like there are good reasons for it for each of them. But that's got to be like very hard for him. He's just not ready to talk to her about all of this, even though he I think he's warming up to the idea. Obviously, he wouldn't have told her he knows everything if he wasn't like ready to at least start the conversation. But he's not ready to break this all down right now. He still is holding a lot of anger about it, which is fair. Mm hmm. It just is like, it's very hard because you want him to talk to Elena and I still am scared of him going down this John Gilbert path of like all vampires need to die. And I want him to talk to Elena and Anna and like be more on this like vampire side. Mm -hmm. But you can tell as of now, Elena is his most obvious ally if he can get past the compulsion. And I think he's on the path to getting there. Yeah, and I think th this first step was him being able to say, like, hey, that's really fucked up. Like, I read your journal. I know about it. It being, like, out in the open. Yeah, being able to say, like, look, I know about this, and it really hurt me to learn that. Whereas, like, and he'll have more time to sort through the specifics of it. But that, I think, is key to just have that information out there. Yeah. So then we cut over to the school where Alaric is walking around, and Isabel's there on her way out of town. He's like... <sighs> What the fuck do you want? What now? Not this. He said, girl, not this. Yeah, he really <laughs> said, girl, not this. She's like, you know, like, this is good for you. Like, this suits you. I get you being a history teacher. And he's like, why are you fucking here? And she's like, I'm leaving. I wanted to say goodbye. And he says, well, you didn't bother the first time, which is true. Yeah, fair point. And she's like, oh, you hate me. That's good. That makes it easier. And he said, what is the point of this little exercise? <laughs> yeah. She asks him, like, what did you think you would find looking for me? And he's like, look, I don't really know what to believe because you say you don't care about me. You say you don't give a shit anything that happens to me, but you left me this ring. So that's not fucking true because you wouldn't have left me this ring if you didn't care about me. And he's like, I don't believe that the woman I loved is nowhere in there anymore. Yeah, he's reconciling this difference of like, you know, he obviously idealized his memories a lot, but that doesn't mean that there weren't good memories in there. And the fact that she like before she left him alone, she wanted him to be protected like that does show something. I think he can't really accept this idea. You know, he thought she died and then he knew she was alive. And now it's kind of like she did die in a new way of like now it's like that whole person is gone. It's like so I can still see you, but it's not really the person did die. Like now I have to mm -hmm. mourn that again. Yeah. So he takes off his vervain and his ring. And I'm like, oh, let's keep that on, buddy. He says, you're going to have to kill me or compel me because I don't believe you. She gives this little speech that she basically says, like, look, 
I wanted to be a vampire. I wanted this. I'm going to regret it forever, but it was my mistake and not yours. She compels him to forget this conversation. She says she loved him. She regrets giving up the life she had, but he needs to be free of her. And she says, like, your heart is now free of me. She gives him the ring back and she leaves. Now, this is interesting. I have a question here. Sure. Logistic wise. How long or short is the time period for hitting this humanity button on or off? What do you mean? Like, can you turn on your emotions for like a minute and then turn them back off again? Because she did cry a little in this speech. And I think this is when she really touches on this. Like, I do have regrets about doing this, which Mm -hmm. is not something she's shown in any other case. And so it seems like she really took this chance to be like, okay, this is how I actually feel, but you're going to forget it. You'll just be attached to me if you like still know I have some sort of feelings about it. Mm -hmm. So you think she like turned it back on to talk to Alaric? Yeah, I think to kind of reconcile with that. And then she turned it right back off because she was like, I can't handle this. That she knows she chose a different life and she wanted this life, but there are parts of her that are like, was this a bad call? Yeah. And I think there are parts of it she likes, obviously. She seems to still enjoy some of it, but I think she's starting to come to terms with the idea that like, or she took that moment to come to terms with the idea that maybe there were mistakes, but then she's like, okay, that's done. Yeah, I can't live in that spot. If yeah. if she lives there, she'll be depressed. It's a complex decision. Which like, you're immortal now. Be depressed for like 10 years. What's 10 years? It's a blip. Yeah, you'll get through it, mama. Uh, that's my my stance on that. Yeah. So she leaves. He looks like kind of shaken up like he will forget the conversation. So then we go back to Jeremy's room. He's getting ready for bed and Anna's there and he's like, oh, my God, Anna, I haven't heard from you. What's up, girly? She's like literally crying and he's like, hey. Yeah. And she's sobbing and he's like, oh, my God. And she said, hey, so my mom is dead. She was killed. I know I shouldn't be here, but I have nowhere else to go. And they hug. It's very sweet. She, as far as we know, doesn't know that John is the one who killed her mom. Yeah. I would think she might have like an inkling. She knew that her mom had gone into town. We don't know if she knew that she had met with John. And she knew that by the time she came back from town, she was like, we need to leave town. Too many people know about us. The council's aware. So if Anna were like trying to figure out who did it, it wouldn't be a leap to say it was someone from the council or that it was John. But that's not her primary concern. Yeah, she doesn't seem to be worried that like Damon did it. Yeah. At least she seems pretty sure it's someone who's hunting vampires. But her mom, before her death, knew that she had a target on her back. So it was upsetting, but not a complete and total surprise to Anna. Yeah. To find her dead. She was like, "Okay, well, I guess she was right to want to leave town. Yeah. Guess we should have left earlier that day. Yeah. So then we go over to the Salvatore house where the brothers kind of have a little chat which is cute it's it's their first of these chats and as you might assume it won't be their last yeah it's a little fencing match here yeah so damon's pouring some drinks and he's like hey stefan you want one and stefan's like so i know you and elena have bonded and you care about each other and i'm just worried that she'll be hurt because she thinks of you as a friend and damon's like uh yeah elena and i are friends actually she might be my only friend which is true (laughs) and he said what's what's the tea He said, sis, spill. And Stefan said, okay, well, at the risk of sounding like a jealous boyfriend. And then Damon said, no, no, there's no risk. You do. Yeah. (laughs) Which is fine. Like, you're right to be jealous in this case. Yeah. And Stefan lets that roll off his back. And Stefan says, let's just say history will not be repeating itself where Elena is concerned. 
think that's true or false? Well, okay. First of all, it's not even accurate. I mean, no one's getting compelled in this case, but obviously, I mean, if anything, history repeating itself would be her dating Damon and then cheating on him with Stefan. But who am I? But obviously, you know, history is going to repeat itself in whatever way Stefan is is viewing. Well, that she's going to date both of them. That she's going to date both of them. Probably not at the same time. I'll give her that. (laughs) Yeah, say what you will about Elena. But, you know, it's not going to go well for Stefan. Yeah, and Stefan says, you understand this? Damon, like, non-committally does. Like, he's like, sure, I understand what you're saying. Well, he's like, I understand the concept of it, but, like, I don't really care. He clearly is in love with Elena, and I think he does believe that Elena could fall in love with him, too, at this point. So he doesn't want to promise anything because he feels like it's on the table. Yeah, and he, you know, has seen some struggles with Stefan, and I think he is opening his heart a little more. I mean, he's he's not going to say I'm never going to date her because clearly he would like to. Yeah. And there's also no point in saying that because Stefan wouldn't believe it if he did. And Elena's only gotten closer to Damon. I think he thinks that it's possible. Well, you know, Damon does really only have one friend and he doesn't want to like not hang out with her. Like he doesn't want to be like, if it would make you feel better, I won't ever talk to her. Like that's not realistic. Yeah, he has like one and a half friends. Who's that? Oh, Alaric. Alaric. <laughs> squad it's just there's nothing damon could say that would be believable and make stefan feel better well and stefan knows that he can't say like don't talk to her because he hangs out with damon like he can't separate the two of them yeah so i get what stefan's trying to do here is kind of get ahead of it unfortunately he's already behind it he's trying to like just be like hey i just want to make sure you know like i'm watching it and damon's like okay that was really never the concern though but thanks. Yeah, the train has already left the station. It's gone too far. And I and he knows that they bonded through all these different things, but they were really bonding when they decided to trap him in the dungeon. That was a big bonding moment. Yeah, Stefan doesn't feel great about that. So Damon's like, hey, we're just friends. But as her friend, I wasn't looking forward to telling her the truth. So I'll let you do it. Since you're her boyfriend. And Stefan's like, what truth are you talking about? And Damon says... Am I the only one around here who has the ability to put two and two together? No, you're not, Damon. I am on the same page with you. I'm right there with you, buddy. Yeah, this was this exciting confirmation for you because Damon says, Isabel dated John when she was 15. She got pregnant and ended up at John's brother's doctor's office. And he says, what exactly do you think John's role is in all this? It's, I mean, he is following the same path I was following in. You know, he was probably already on this path. And then Isabel was like, oh, we dated. And he was like, "Okay, ding, ding, ding. There it is. Stefan's like, oh, so you think John's Elena's father? And he's like, yeah, ding, ding. And Stefan's like, what's your proof? And he's like, I don't have proof. That's for a DNA test to prove. But this is pretty clear. Damon's like, I don't need proof. I just gave you all my reasoning. Like, if you want to hunt down proof, you can. Yeah. And I will say on the first watch, when I got this revelation, I had not predicted it. To be fair, I'm not watching it as close as you yeah. are. As soon as he said, am I the only one around here who has the ability to put two and two together? Then he says all those clues and it's like, yeah, I should have been able to put that together. That's pretty obvious. So I figured you would figure it out because I knew you were looking too hard. So I tried to throw you off the scent a little bit in the last episode. It's a hard thing to guess because he is her uncle. So it's hard to be like he's her uncle and her dad. Yeah. But not that hard. Yeah, I really <laughs> I almost got you off the scent when I said, well, what if her real dad's the same dad? 
Yeah, you you did try. That was the best argument I could have made. You did a really good job. But you were confident. Unfortunately, once I get on a thought path, it is hard to throw me off it, even if it's wrong. Well, the logic in this tracks because it is true also, so... But I do love whenever I'm on the same page as Damon because I'm like, that's my hubby. Yeah. That's my king. And then Damon says, so you can tell Elena that. And when you do, and she needs a friend, she can talk to me, which is just a dick move. But you do be twisting that knife. You got to love it. I mean, at this point, I think Damon is like, look, we were all kind of doing fine. No one mentioning this. Like we all knew something was happening and no one mentioned it. And now that you've brought it up, like it's kind of annoying that I have to address this a little bit, not only to him, but also in his head a little bit more. Yeah, he can't ignore it. And potentially he has to address it with Elena. And he doesn't want to do that. He's not ready to do that yet. Well, yeah, Elena has to address it. He's very happy to have her as a friend, but he knows that Elena is going to get kind of freaked out by the concept of him liking her. So I think he's like, look, we were all doing just fine keeping this on the back burner. And now it's up there. So I have to protect myself. Then Isabel calls John from a car on the way out of town. And he's like relaxing on a couch at the Gilbert house. And she says, the invention and your ring are on your doorstep. Don't screw this up. And he says, not planning on it, baby. We'll see, John. And Isabel says, Catherine wants all the vampires from the tomb dead. And I want to add two more to that list. We want to add the Salvatores because we don't want this life for Elena. And John agrees, and they say that's what they owe to her as her parents. So we get confirmation that their parents, in, cl- in case the clue wasn't enough, just good yeah. to have that. So why is it that you think Catherine wants all these tomb vampires dead? You would think that Catherine would be kind of on this revenge side, even though she got out. Like, I guess since she got out so long ago, maybe she has no reason to be mad anymore. But you would think she wouldn't be wanting to stop this revenge on the town. I mean, Catherine doesn't have anything against the town. They let her out. I guess, yeah, she doesn't really need to have anything against the town. I kind of assumed she still did. Sure. But then why would she want all the tomb vampires dead who want the revenge on the town? Then they can have the revenge and she keeps her hands completely clean. Yeah, see, that's why I think this is proof that she doesn't want revenge. Okay. And I think Isabel made a good point that Catherine got out. Catherine has never returned to Mystic Falls that we know of, but she like, took this path of like, I'm not going to be here anymore. Like what's, what's for me here. So why now? Maybe because she knew this vampires could get out of the tomb. And so she knew this was a possibility, but I don't know why she would care whether they want their revenge. So I think it must be something personal against some people in this tomb, but I don't know what it would be. We haven't heard enough about these other vampires, you know? Yeah. But we just know she wants them all dead. And you don't really have any guesses as to what Catherine stands to gain from them being dead. But we can tell she wants them dead. I mean, she's putting a lot of work into killing these vampires when she could just let them live without her. Yeah, and it seems like it would be easier to just hunt these vampires down and kill them, honestly. But I guess that's what she's kind of doing. The invention is just helping. Yeah, the weapon probably just speeds it up. Do you have any guesses? I mean, we know it's a weapon against vampires, but do you have any guesses in what way? So I have this idea in my head that can't be correct. I can't wait to hear it. But it's how I'm envisioning it. Okay. There's this, and this is all based on a a Chuck storyline. Even better. So bear with me. I'm envisioning it that it's like a specific pitch of note that like breaks their brain. Interesting. 
I don't know why that's what I'm picturing, but like, like it's not going to shoot a wood stake out. It's a compass. Let's, let's get there. But I think it could like, I don't know, maybe it like stops their hurt long enough that the vampire blood stops pumping and keeping them alive. But I'm thinking it's something that like essentially just like shuts down something in their system. Shuts down some function. And so I'm thinking it's some kind of note, some kind of frequency. And so you think it'll just like kill them on mass really fast? I think based on the compass, you have to be relatively close. Sure. But I don't think you have to be that close. I mean, I, I think you can do it within like 30 feet. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. That's my assumption. I mean, as of right now, I can tell you, as you might assume, we're going to see that weapon get used next episode. So we'll see how correct you are. And I can see the rush because it would make sense that the tomb vampires would want to get their revenge on Founder's Day. Yeah, it's very poetic, right? You can't lean into the poetic nature of things. I mean, it just, it messes with timing. If the tomb vampires just killed everyone right away, their job would be done and they can have their own Founder's Day celebration. Yeah. But the poetic drama of it all, dramatic impact gets us all, doesn't it? Everyone is going for it. Also, you know, and then Isabel is talking about protecting Elena and just clearing out vampires in every way. And so this does kind of also show us more confirmation that in some ways Isabel really regrets being a vampire. Because from this, we can assume that she doesn't want Elena to become a vampire or that she doesn't want them involved with the Salvatores either way. Because she said with a Salvatore on each arm, you're doomed. Well, I think she knows that, you know, being with either Salvatore the likely ending is Elena becoming a vampire. You know, that's not a hard jump. And if she doesn't want her daughter to be a vampire, then that's an easy way to do it. Just take all the vampires away. Then who's going to turn her? Do you think if Isabel succeeded in getting Damon and Stefan killed, do you think she would go back and compel Elena to forget everything she knows about vampires? Or do you think she would just say, sorry, move on, queen? That's a good point. Because I do think it's notable that For all of Isabel's hatred of vampires and regret and all this shit, she's leaving town before that weapon comes out. Yeah. I mean, you don't hate vampires that much, baby, if you're still sticking around. I do think that is something she would like to do. She would have a lot more compelling to do than I think she would be prepared for. Yeah, it would be a pretty um, big undertaking. It would be a difficult undertaking that I think she just wouldn't have the energy to go through with, honestly. And she couldn't get Catherine to come do compulsion because everyone would be like, Elena? Yeah. And she'd be like, no, I I don't have time to explain all this. It would be funny if Catherine came and she was like, hey, it's me, Elena. Take off that bracelet. And then compels. (laughs) So I think it's one of those things of like, I mean, obviously the Salvatore brothers won't be dying next episode. Don't never say never. (laughs) You don't know. You don't know. I I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure. I think that'd be a lot of work for Isabel. I think Isabel's happy to kind of put a couple more of her ducks in a row and leave. So, and then we end the episode with Bonnie and Caroline talking to each other. And Caroline's like, so you're not going to tell me what happened. And Bonnie tells Caroline in very vague terms what happened. Yeah, she tells her what happened without giving her any of the supernatural information. Yeah. Bonnie says, I did something bad to Elena and lied about it. I pretended something I didn't really do because Grams wouldn't do it. So I couldn't do it. But when Elena finds out, she'll never forgive me, which we can assume Bonnie just didn't take the magic out of the device that kills vampires like she told them. That's pretty clear. And I think it's one of those things, too, that she is on the same page as Isabel of like, 
I don't want any vampires around Elena. It's only going to hurt her and other people. I mean, Bonnie's already been the recipient of some of that hurt. And yeah. so she's like, look, if someone is going to kill all these vampires, so be it. Ever since Stefan and Damon came to town, it's been nothing but drama for them. And Bonnie's like, look, it's not that I don't want Elena to be happy, but we need to nip this in the bud. It just is better for everyone if Stefan and Damon are no longer in this town and vampires are out of our lives. When I think she's planning for this like longer term happiness for Elena. She's like, she'll be mad about it, but it's for the best. And I think this is, you know, coming through because she wishes she had listened to Grams when Grams was like, no, we're leaving that tomb closed. Yeah. And she fought to have them out and it only caused more pain. And so I think she's like, well, I'm going to follow Graham's wishes this time. Yeah. Which you can't be mad at her for. You can't blame her. And if Elena, I mean, honestly, Elena should have seen this coming based on Bonnie's former reactions to Stefan and Damon's actions. But I understand that Elena is kind of blinded by her love for them, that yeah. she can't see someone not loving them the way she does. Yeah. And she didn't clock that it was like, wow, Bonnie got over this pretty fast because she mm-hmm. was just so happy to have a friend back. Yeah, which is fair. But yeah, it's it's not looking good for the Salvatores at the moment. Yeah. So that sets us up pretty good for the finale. Next week, it's finally going to be Founders Day and we'll see what happens. What's your prediction for how we wrap this season up? Well, so I have seen the thumbnail of this episode somehow or like a picture from it with Caroline on a float. So I know we will be having the parade and I'm going to guess those vampires are going to want to be at that parade. And someone's going to take that compass out. I don't know how Stefan and Damon are going to get out of this one. We'll see. I say that so often. And I don't know how this device is going to work. I mean, it's been sitting around for a long time. And clearly, it can sit around and not kill vampires for a while. So what is the right switch to flip? Like, do they even know? That's a good question. And... Let's be honest, John Gilbert's success rate, pretty low. So even if he has the compass, I'm not 100% sure he's going to get it to work. I'll just say that. (laughs) He's not the wisest man. Do you think we're going to have any notable deaths in the finale? And if so, who do you think we're going to say goodbye to? So I think there's a good chance John Gilbert is not making out of this finale alive. I think he's interesting. He's got an uphill battle here. I think Isabel and Catherine are going to stay far enough away for this. I'm worried for Anna. I don't think times are looking good for Anna. Although she is not on anyone's list of vampires to kill like a queen. No one has mentioned her name. Yeah, she wasn't in the tomb. She wasn't in the tomb and she's not one of the Salvatore brothers. So that's pretty good. But I'm not 100% convinced that either like John won't try to kill her or she won't be in the vicinity of this invention. Those are the main ones I'm thinking. I mean, I doubt Matt will die. But one can hope. I go to him as a death because he's a relatively easy one. I mean, in the grand scheme. And I would get over it fast. But I think he's around for a while. We've built a lot too much into his character. Although that's never stopped him before. Yeah, that's never stopped Julie Pleck from killing people before. John, I think, is likely. Anna, I'm worried about. I'll just say that. Well, we'll see. It's, you know, maybe no one will die. I think that's that's hard to pull off. (laughs) I mean, we'll see. I would be interested to see if any of the vampires get to some founding families before they are foiled. I would not like to be Mr. or Mrs. Lockwood. 
at this parade. I'll say that. Not a good time to be the mayor of Mystic Falls. I think Sheriff Forbes will be fine. She'll get protection from Damon at the minimum. She's proven herself to be a a trustworthy ally. But I do think the Mm -hmm. Lockwoods could be in trouble as well. Not Tyler. Tyler's fine. But that's my guess because I think there is a good chance someone from the council could be getting a little bit of wrath before the plan is, is undone, if it's undone. Sure. Sure. We'll see. But that's all what awaits us next week. It's going to be a great end of season one. But that's it for this episode. As always, if you have friends who like the Vampire Diaries or you think would like the Vampire Diaries, tell them about this podcast and also tell them to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And follow along with us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that's it for today. So for now, goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother.